Hi, welcome to The Church Split. My name is Will, and let's talk about a topic that'll probably split your church. So, I like the finger guns, Brian. I'm sticking with the finger guns. It's gonna happen. That's my coined by me trademark. Let's go. All right. Anyway, so uh, today's topic is, are tattoos sinful? Now, this is an interesting question, I think, especially one that we should ask since they're now more popular than ever, where they used to be symbols of rebellion, now they're symbols of expression and all these different things. So before I get into that, I would like to just tell kind of a story of, a, of an experience I had, why I think this is important, and how I've seen, uh, I've seen a lot of veracity on both sides. Uh, some people call Christians who get tattoos, you know, pagans, and then other ones who uh, look down on them or whatever for it. They call all sorts of other names like Pharisees and whatnot, which is a topic for another time. But um, one, the school I went to while in Bible college was Fairhaven Baptist College. Now, if you look it up, you'll find that I don't line up with them much because they're really fundamentalists and way more conservative than I ever was. And there's a lot of things I had issues with there. But to give you just an example of one of the many stories I could tell you about my experience at, the, at this school um, was the, we were doing a church plant in Chicago. And in Chicago, there's a bunch of busy roads. So we were, we were parked outside of one of these roads. Well, not really parked. We had a whole little setup there as we are doing our first opening day at this church that Sunday. So we had different things set up all around town. The main parts to create some noise. But anyway, um, at... During this time, this guy walked by, he had a big giant mohawk, he was covered in sleeves of tattoos, he was well decorated, you could say. And as he walked, I was like, oh, I guess there's somebody to invite to church. So I walked over toward him, and you know, we had a very, very cordial conversation, talked, and he was actually really friendly, and I said, have a good day, and I turned around, and two of the girls that were there, they just they looked shocked. They looked like they'd seen a ghost. And I was like, what? And they're like, I can't believe you talked to him. And I was like, why? What's wrong with what's wrong with talking to the guy? And they're like, well, he is covering all sorts of tattoos and piercings, and those guys have a reputation. And I was like, well, he needs Jesus too. And she, I kid you not, said, I don't think Jesus associates with people who look like that. And I was like, um, I don't think anyone's immune to Jesus. <laughs> so, and we had this really, really awkward conversation and I was just, okay. Um, and then it kind of hit me like, man, we have, our churches really have a, an issue here with this topic. So, I mean, and I can see how it can split. I can see this actually splitting a church, mainly because things that split churches can be really small or silly, but there are really only two schools of thought here. Um, one part is that the, that part of the Old Testament wasn't written to us, so therefore it doesn't apply to us. Or there's the, oh, I see, so you pick and choose which parts of the Bible to believe. So either it's all true or it's all false. Well, the problem is, is that we're not taking any sort of context into account, right, when we're saying that sort of thing. So, and I don't think I have to emphasize this more, but you'll hear me, I feel like I always have to in every in every one of these videos and segments, is the importance of scripture in all things. We have to compare scripture with scripture. Uh, scripture has to be confirmed among all scripture, and we have to take context into it. So the fancy word is hermeneutics, which is a proper interpretation essentially. And so let's make sure we're comparing scripture with scripture. Let scripture clarify for itself what it means and go from there. So I think as we kind of go through this, I can help share some clarity on this. So first question is, what does the Bible say about tattoos? Well, truth is, 
not much. It really doesn't say a lot. It, and this can be really frustrating for some people, and it can be very liberating to other people. So Leviticus 19.28 says this, You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead, or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. In the KJV, I'm going to pull it up, the King James renders it, you sh Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. So it says, it says tattoo, it says print any marks. So um, when you're using modern translations, it renders the words a little bit differently, just so you're aware. But at first glance, this would definitely seem like an open and shut case, done, case is closed, don't, don't, tattoos are bad, don't do them. And you know what, you wouldn't really be hurt for it. If you read that and went, mm, nope, no tattoos, I'm good, then fine. I mean, no one said you had to get a tattoo, right? We're not saying that, um, you know, do you have to get a tattoo? We're asking the question specifically, is it a sin for a Christian to choose to do so? So context is important. Um, it's extremely important when dealing with any kind of scripture that we first look at context. So one thing is that this is from the book of Leviticus. And Leviticus is a very specific book, a very special book, but a very specific book. And it's dealing to the Levites, hence the name Leviticus, which is the priestly tribe. They were, these were the high priests of Israel. And remember, there's 12 tribes of Israel, and this is specifically to a specific group. So we have to be careful when reading Leviticus, are we taking laws from the priests and applying it to ourselves? Now, granted, you'll notice that some of the laws are repeated throughout scripture as a moral law, because there's not to get too much into the weeds here, but there's religious, there's like like ritual laws, there's legal laws, like how to deal with things socially and economically in the Old Testament. Then there's also moral laws, and you'll notice that God's more, God might say different things at different times to different people, but His moral laws are always the same. So morality is never changing. Okay, so that's why we say God is unchanging, God is never changing, because things are never in flux when it comes to morality to God. <clears throat> But it's really important that we understand that this is to the high priestly tribe. Now, Leviticus 19.19 later on also says this, You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your cattle breed with a different kind. So he's being specific about cattle. You shall not sow your fields with two kinds of seed. So you can't, you know, plant corn next to blueberries. Okay. Anyway. Bear with me here, my analogies. I know I'm not from the Middle East, so. Nor shall you wear a garment of cloth made of two kinds of material. So you can't wear multiple, according to the Levitical law, they couldn't wear multiple materials either, uh, which most clothes are made of multiple materials. Like a lot of them will say X amount percent cotton, this much polyester, you get the idea. So it doesn't seem like that was, so if anything, it doesn't seem like Christians necessarily live by this, but we're gonna later on ask if this is blanket rules, okay? Then Leviticus 19.23 says, When you come into the land and plant any kind of tree for food, you then you shall regard its fruit as forbidden. Three years it shall be forbidden to you. It must not be eaten. So now we, we see the fact that, man, when you plant a tree, you got to make sure it sits there for three years. Well, nowadays, we don't really we don't really wait three years to check if it's safe due to modern achievements, right? Things have, are very different now. Or we also, we don't take time to make sure that the tree is strong and healthy to bear fruits by giving it three years. We just check the general health of the tree. So again, these are specific laws during a certain time, it seems like. Uh, Leviticus 19.26 says, You shall not eat, the, eat any flesh with blood in it. 
You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. And the worst part about this is apparently no more medium rare steaks because you should not eat anything with blood in it. And if you don't have medium rare steak, do you even eat steak? Like, let's be honest. Brian, Brian, do you eat steak if it's not medium rare? No, it's leather, isn't it? It's leather, so it's not steak. That's another church split video. We're gonna talk about medium rare steaks. All right, uh, apparently God's against them according to Leviticus, if you take it out of context. Anyway, uh, so remember, Israel was always surrounded by enemies. So when we're reading this, you have to understand, God, they're always surrounded by enemies. God instructed them to live a certain way to bring unity, purpose, health, and prosperity in a desolate, pagan-filled wilderness. So that is really important here because, um, it, you know, if there's blood in it, well, back then, you don't know if it's properly cooked, you don't know if you probably got all the bacteria out, it's not cured. So. God really is constantly always protecting his people. It's funny, when you really look at the Old Testament laws, there's a lot of protection there. And we didn't even under, and they didn't understand why. They just took God at face value. And at, later on, as we got old, you know, as we, modern advancement, science and all this, we understand a lot of these things as to why God commanded them. Anyway, God even, and we have to understand that God even set Israel apart to be a peculiar people. Like they weren't supposed to be like everyone else. Exodus 19.5 says this, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And there's a lot of talk about this in the Old Testament. Israel, compared to everyone else, was weird, man. Like, they did all sorts of weird stuff. But that was kind of God's original plan, right? Like, it was like the whole, you are my people, and you will be my agents to express my being to the world. And we'll talk about, we'll probably address some of those things later on, but... Now the question is, in, in Leviticus, who did all these verses apply to? You know, I keep saying this to the high priest, to the high priest, but was it? Are, aren't these blanket rules? But first, let's take a few look at some other parallels, all right, in Scripture. We'll, we always confirm Scripture with Scripture, and then you can usually kind of figure it out. It's usually not that difficult. Who did all this apply to? The verse right before the ver this verse... Um, in Leviticus actually says this. So the verse right before the one about tattoos or markings says, you shall not round off the hair on your temples or mar the edges of your beard. And oddly, oddly enough, most people I don't think, I mean, I get my hair blended on top, so apparently my hair is rounded on my temples and the edges of my beard, well, they don't exist right now because I'm clean shaven because it's almost summertime in Michigan. So here we are. And yeah, and, and in the winter though, I do grow it out, but then I also still mar the edges of my beard because I keep it trimmed down because I can't stand it everywhere. But anyway, if you flip nonchalantly through the Old Testament, you will find a lot of strange things like these, especially in Leviticus. Uh, you'll find a lot of odd, weird commands if you just pull them out of the context. But we also see, so he tells them not to round off, so that's basically saying not to shave off your head, and shave off your head, not to shave off your hair. Keep your heads on. Uh, but in Numbers 6, verses, verse 18, we see that the Nazarites did shave their heads. It said, And the Nazarite shall shave his consecrated head at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and shall take the hair from his consecrated head and put it on the fire that is under the sacrifice of the peace offering. Now remember, Nazarites, they, that's what Samson was, they grout the hair, and then before they go into the tent of meeting, apparently is when they would 
cut off their hair. So anyway, um, point being there, that doesn't seem like it's a blanket rule. Otherwise, why would God command Nazarites to do this? And then in, uh, Paul also commands heads to be shaved in Acts 21, 24. He says, take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus, all will know that there is nothing in what they have been, to been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. So, uh, obviously, he's talking about the law here, observing the law. And when a lot of times, again, when people would mourn or when they repented, there was a sackcloth, there was a shaving of that, there was this whole thing. But clearly, Leviticus wasn't a broad rule for everyone, right? Like, we can see that, like, the Nazarites didn't do it. Uh, Paul commands the cases when that happened. We also see other times in the Old Testament where people would shave their heads. So, this isn't like a blanket rule. So, if we take that one rule and say, that's a blanket rule, but then the next verse, which says what it you know about mar marking your bodies or whatever and say that's the blanket rule then you're not i don't see the consistency i don't see how you can consistently say that pull that one verse out of leviticus in this area but not apply everything else in all the other areas it's just it it seems fallacious and erroneous to me i just can't get my head wrapped around that particular aspect so remember this was Clearly, Leviticus wasn't brought up for everyone, but instead it was to the priestly tribe. It was things for them to follow, to set them apart as the high priests. Now, again, no one's saying you have to get one, but it seems like to me like we're, we're applying things oddly. So anyway, let's talk about some New Testament declarations that are strange if we don't, if we don't acknowledge context. Oddly enough, for example, many women also have pierced their ears. Does your wife have her ears pierced? Yeah, so does mine. Uh, mo most likely, if you're married or you're a woman, you have your ears pierced, as uh, many of them do. Uh, so oddly enough, many of them have pierced ears. This is, is this not a form to a degree of cutting your body? But what, and what of other verses, right? Like, so if we're just taking that and saying, well, tattoos, but oh man, we're okay with ear piercing. Now, I do know Christian families that they, they don't pierce their ears. They don't get, like... And that's fine. It seems like you're trying to remain consistent at least. But oddly enough, there's other verses in the New Testament, like 1 Timothy 2.9 says, Likewise, also, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. Now, Many women braid their hair too. Um, they wear gold. They, uh, in fact, my wife has a gold ring on her hand uh, because you know I didn't get her silver because you know I actually bought her a nice ring. Just kidding. If you if you can afford, you get what you can. Boo boo. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just stating the obvious. Anyway, but you know, many women wear braid their hair. Many wear gold and pearls and nice clothes every day. Is that sinful? Well, what's the context here? This. It's actually because these things were a sign of vanity and also of prostitution back then. So, yeah, like he didn't want, he's like, yeah, guys, don't come looking like that, which is funny because we consider that your Sunday best. And he's like, no, don't worry about that. Instead, come wearing respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not trying to show off. And also, don't associate with them. They're, the prostitutes dress like that. And you're Christian women. We don't need men propositioning you for favors, so to speak. So many people already know that this wasn't a commanded blanket rule in this Tim verse to Timothy. Like many people already know that. They know that how the Roman culture worked. They knew all that. And so they knew it wasn't a blanket rule. Within context, he's emphasizing that women should be striving for a modesty of the heart and not looking for outward affirmation or attention. 
he wasn't expressly forbidding hair braids, just the emphasis, like the emphasis of their heart and what they're doing. Again, context is important. So going back to Leviticus now, let's apply this. So Leviticus, this verse, let's explain it a little bit. Since we've already emphasized that context is important, and, can, and the context can entirely change the meaning of a verse when ripped out of context as well. So we should clarify the verse entirely. Let's completely clarify this because context is really what makes a verse probably make the most meaning. Like you can't make a lot of sense out of anything out of context. I mean, if you've ever been in a theological discussion, you've ever been in a, in a debate, you'll notice that you're constantly trying to beat people with a context stick. Or maybe you need to be hit with a context stick. Anyway, um... The, the Hebrew word is ka'aka for the tattoo or the marks. And ka'aka sounds a lot like ka'aka, but it's, it's not that, I swear. Um, it's a stigma or a brand, an incision, a gash, or a mark. That's what this word means. So it seems that this word isn't even referring to tattoos as we know them with like ink trapped between layers of skin, but more about maiming yourself, scarring yourself, gashing and incisions and things like that, which one could, of course, then I, the, the counter argument could be, yeah, but is that not scarring yourself? I'm not getting into that as, as of right now, but word meanings, with word meaning out of the way, gash, mark, and all that, with ka-a-ka, and Leviticus better explained, let's really get to the crux of the matter of this entire verse, which it clarifies itself. It says, do not do these, what? For the dead. For the dead. This is important because paganism was a big thing back then. Canaanites and others were pagan, and they would mark their bodies in the name of their gods. They would have their different, and that's how you could differentiate different people and who they worshipped, by looking at the different cuts or the different marks on them. You can see it a lot um, still in some African tribes where they do like various different scarrings to uh, show who they're associated with. But this is a big thing in most pagan cultures. And he's saying, hey, don't do that, especially for the dead. When people would mourn, they would scar their bodies with the names of lost loved ones. They would rip their hair out and cut themselves in anguish. So this is this is a, kind of what's more referring to, it seems like. It's more the idol worship. It talks about paganism most more than anything. In fact, we actually see this in the works during the whole thing with um, the, with the worships of Baal and the whole break, calling down fire down on the sacrifice. In 1 Kings 18, 28, it says this, and this is pagans who were worshiping Baal, said, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And this is them calling that, you know, Elijah's over there calling fire from heaven and, you know, he's kind of cheekily watching them as they're trying to recreate this whole miracle. Well, not really recreate it. He hadn't done it yet, but um, trying to, he's giving them all this extra time, right? He's like, all right, you got all the time in the world. I'm going to let you sit there and try to burn the, your sacrifice and see whose God is stronger. And instead, these people are they are crying out to their God. They're cutting themselves. They're maiming themselves. And he's just kind of chilling there, watching it happen. Then he finally takes his, douses his in water, and then he calls down fire from heaven. And God burns the sacrifice for himself. So it's really important because in biblical times, there were so many pagan religions and about and well, and all of them had different customs within their worship. The Israelites definitely saw this during their time in Egypt, since the Egyptians also would tattoo their women, thinking it gave them blessings of fertility from the gods. 
Other civilizations like the Canaanites would ink their bodies, commit extreme uh, scarification, gash themselves, and brand themselves, etc. They would especially do this for ritualistic purposes to try and gain their God's blessing. This is why God forbade the Levites from doing such things. The Israelites were not to worship God or honor the dead the same way that the pagans would. They were separate. They weren't to engage in that. Today, let me ask you this. Context is important, right? When you see braided hair, do you think of a prostitute? No, usually not. Usually women do it for convenience, right? When you see piercings, do you think of someone mourning for the dead, ear piercings? Probably not. So why do we sit there and apply that same rule to tattoos? Bodily scarring in false worship or anything like that. We don't see, like, that doesn't happen. We don't see bodily scarring much anymore for that. But the context here really was to set Israel aside as the peculiar people and make sure that their way of worshiping God did not mirror the way that the pagans did. Today, tattoos are not used in worship, but of artistic expression, sentimental markings, or reminders. And so, and now the context of their usage really has shifted in our culture. So this verse seems to be more about idolatry than anything else. When you really get to the root of it, God was talking about idol worship, which is good because actually I have two tattoos and one of them's right here. But um, the point being isn't that um, like, the point being isn't really that tattoos are sinful. It's more of, I guess, the context of what's being done there. And, you know, I took the liberty that I felt I had in Jesus Christ. That it seems that I, upon my study, and I, I got a tattoo. I got two. And um, I know other people don't. And that's fine. I, no one's telling you you have to. But now the next thing that always comes up is, well, your body is the temple. The body is the temple. Well, let's talk about this objection. And this verse is always used. And this verse is used a lot out of context. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. This verse is probably one of the top verses used out of context in the Bible period, where it's referring to the entire passage is talking about sexual immorality, which is defiling the temple or the body through blatant sin. You're basically dragging the Holy Spirit along with you for the ride, and you're dragging the Christ with you through the mud of your sin. And that, so let's, when we're talking about the body of Christ, it's not really talking about the way we're trying to apply it. It's talking about actual acting out of sin. So again, context is extremely important. If you don't pay attention to subtle nuances and the context here and just pull verses out, things can get really weird. A good example of this for this topic is Revelation 19.16 says, uh, on his robe, talking about Jesus, on his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So does Jesus have a tattoo on his thigh? I mean, no. I mean, he, I, he always was a little rebel, right? Like, <laughs> so I guess Jesus has a tattoo on his thigh. Just kidding. Uh, that's actually, no, that's it's silly, obviously. But context is important. Of course, that part there is a whole different story. But if I just rip that out, it, on his robe and on his thigh, his... He has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So we have to be respectful with the Bible, respectful of God's word, and not just be ripping things out. That's a big issue. A lot of the issues that cause church splits are because people are arguing over things out of context, and we're, we're just constantly ripping things out. So in conclusion, this would really appear to be a liberty issue. And like, and like alcohol, the simplest way to avoid such a thing is to not engage in it at all, right? Like, that's a safe bet. 
However, it isn't necessarily sinful to get one. So if you're just like, you know what, I'd rather be safe and not get one. Cool, more power to you. Some might even call you more wise for that. I personally don't think it's an issue at all. I've really studied this a lot and it just seems to be more the idol worship thing. So therefore, I love art, so I got a little bit. This is, is I gotta be a liberty issue, especially if we're only applying parts and pieces. So I, I would question anyone who w wants to follow that one verse in Leviticus, that's fine, but then we, you better be applying the rest of the Levitical law to yourself. And not saying the Levitical law is a bad law. I mean, God, God had it for his high priests, but if you're gonna start applying laws that don't apply to you, to yourself, then apply the whole thing or else it's gonna just come off hypocritical. You ought to ask yourself though, before getting a tattoo, what are your motives for getting a tattoo? What, why, where? Also, again, our culture, culture does play a big aspect in it. You know, if you got a giant scorpion on your face, probably going to tell people that you came from something sketchy. You know, that's our culture. But it's very, so, but context is important. So what, why, when, where, all that stuff. Use wisdom and discretion when getting such things. If you're choosing to engage in anything, use wisdom and discretion. Next time you see someone with a tattoo, don't automatically jump to a harsh conclusion or a judgmental conclusion either, because clearly you can see why this isn't much of an issue with other Christians. If they chose to, that is their liberty. If they chose not to, that is their liberty. Liberty. This is one of those many areas of scriptures that appear to be a gray area and thereby a liberty issue. So if we're, and that's kind of the general gist when things tend to be a gray area. It's funny because God isn't, God doesn't leave things for guessing when it comes to what is sin and what is not. He's very black and white, like, hey, Lying is a sin. Stealing is a sin. Coveting is a sin. He's very, very blatant about those things. And it's repeated constantly throughout scripture. And this is this one little verse that kind of mentions it, but in the context of idol worship amongst a lot of other laws to a very specific people. So I think we need to be careful. So if you're choosing to engage or think about getting one or any of these things, let me just tell you this. Uh, re I'll recite James 1.5 to you. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So guys, seek after God. Pray to him about these things. And you know what? And again, it's okay to disagree on some of these things, but if you are at the position where you don't understand where people are coming from, maybe now you can. Like, if you're just constantly quoting that one verse, I think I've made that very clear to just be very careful what you're applying. So with that being said, let me know what you think in the comments. Like and share this, guys. We're doing this entirely voluntarily. There's no money being made. We're not, so honest to goodness, subscribe to the channel. Just help get YouTube know that, hey, you want more of this content. We are uploading these on SoundCloud as well, so take a look there. And if you have any topics that you want us to cover, please let us know. And with that being said, this has been The Church Split. Hope you enjoyed.